Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. My name is Mark Doty, D-O-T-Y. It's an O, not an at, not date. <laughs> and I am, before I read uh, Proverbs chapter 9, I am a covenant member here. And as you all know, there are just a veritable plethora of ministry opportunities here at the church. Plethora means abundant amount. You know that. Remember that from that movie, don't you? Yeah. And uh, a couple of those ministries that I've plugged into, uh, the greeting opportunity is one of the cool opportunities. For one, you get to be a goofball and greet people and let them know that we're all not sane here. There's some weirdos in the mix. <laughs> and uh, a chance to finally put names to faces. I cheat, you guys. I use the church directory, try to memorize it before we come. And then thank God when John's with me, because I'm like, John, what's their names again? And he goes, the guy has a photographic memory. I kid you not. But there are just a lot of opportunities, you guys, to serve one another here at this amazing body. So if you'll take your scriptures out this morning... I'm sorry, I just can't do the digital thing. I love paper. Whoa, the day when paper goes away. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, okay. The digital thing. It was like last week, remember? She got lost. Oh, just a minute. It's in here, cyberspace. So I have hard copy right here, though I do have to take my glasses off to read it. And this is Proverbs chapter 9. <coughs> This is uh, kind of a sacred, special text to me. When I was in graduate school, I actually wrote uh, one of my graduate research papers on this chapter of the sacred wisdom literature of the Old Testament. So follow along. It's on the screen. I'm reading from the New International Version. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple way, and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker brings on insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life, If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. The woman folly, she is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead 
are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Amen. Great. Thank you, Mark. And uh, I want to say good morning to all of you. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. Uh, This is a great day uh, because we are going to be gathering right after this morning's service uh, for an all-church cookout. uh, So we hope that you'll make plans to join us and just uh, enjoy this beautiful day together. Enjoy um, lawn games and just a great time. Uh, If this is your first time here, we especially want to say welcome to you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, While you're here, we just will ask a couple of things of you. Uh, First of all, we hope that you'll take a moment to fill out our connection card, which is located just inside the bulletin on the left-hand side. Uh, you can take a moment to do that during the message here and then uh, drop it off in the offering plate as it comes by uh, after the message. The second thing we hope you'll do is uh, grab a gift uh, that is ours, uh, our gift to you, just a way of saying thanks so much for joining us. It is this book here. Uh, you can grab one in the foyer right behind you or in the table just to the side of our sanctuary here. Uh, but again, this is a gift for those of you that are here for the first time, just our way of saying thanks so much for joining us. I do want to share a couple of of announcements uh, with you before we jump into this morning's message out of Proverbs 9. Uh, the first is I want to say thanks to everyone who helped out and gathered yesterday to uh, work on our play area. That uh, work is coming along nicely. In fact, uh, if you happen to breeze by the glass window on your way to E-Kids, take a look out to your right, and the patio is nearly completed. It still looks pretty sandy. We need to do some sweeping on it, uh, but all the stones are down, and so the patio is done, and we're getting closer and closer to that, and we will be letting you know about additional opportunities to finish that project up, but thank you so much uh, for your help yesterday. Uh, As I mentioned, we'll be gathering right after the service for a cookout. We hope that you'll uh, stay and join us for that. Um, And then also Faith Day at the Rockies is coming up. Uh, We want to invite you to join us uh, for a day at the ballpark and a day in the shade. Uh, We got our tickets in January to ensure that the the tickets were in the seats were in the shade. Uh, So that'll be a great time. Uh, Tickets are $23 each ticket. Uh, When you make make that payment, make sure that you write uh, Rockies in the memo of your check. Make your check out to Emmaus Road Church and uh, we will make sure uh, that those go to... Uh, those Rockies tickets. So we hope that you'll join us for that. Um, And then uh, I want to just, before we uh, jump into this morning's message, I want to say a word of prayer for us. Uh, This has been a difficult week for our country. And uh, we'll take some dedicated time at the end of the message as we gather around the table of communion to uh, share some thoughts about the events of this week. Uh, But for now, uh, let's just pray for God's peace and God's presence. Uh, So join me in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the opportunity that we have to gather together uh, as a body of believers seeking your wisdom from the Proverbs. And and Lord, um, summer's a busy time of traveling and spending time with friends and uh, working and different responsibilities. Uh, It just seems to be a hectic time, but occasionally and um, more often lately, Uh, News headlines grab our attention that make all of that seem pretty small. And in those moments, um, God, we just pause. And sometimes we are outraged. Uh, Other times we are just, we have such a mix of emotions going on, we don't even know what to feel or how to feel or what we feel. And in those moments, Lord, sometimes we, we often don't even know how to pray. And so, Lord, as we did in light of violence 
less than a month ago in Orlando. Um, God, we pray for your mercy. We pray for your peace. And now, God, for those who are mourning, we pray for your presence. God, when your son Jesus gave a message, he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And God, there are some people who are very specifically mourning today, but God, as a country, I think all of us are in mourning of the events of this week. And so we pray now that for your presence, and we pray that your presence would be a comfort to us. We pray, God, that as we open your word and seek your wisdom, that it would be a comfort to us. And God, as we enjoy the presence of one another in the sun and activities and having fun, may it be a comfort to us. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, give us wisdom, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to, before we jump into Proverbs 9, I want to say thank you to Rick Edwards for uh, bringing a good word last week. If you were here last week, uh, Lord bless you. It was Fourth of July weekend. You are an amazing Christian and follower of Jesus. So thank you for that. And um, it was a great message from Rick. I got a chance to listen on podcast and have the experience of listening to our own podcast. I can hardly stand the sound of my own voice, so I don't make a regular pattern or habit of listening to podcasts, uh, but got to do that, and Rick did a great job. Uh, Proverbs 8 is a difficult passage, and he did uh, a really good job in helping us understand it. So I want to say thank you uh, to Rick for uh, taking that on. Uh, Also, just want to briefly mention that Amy and I did have a great time vacationing with her family in the Seattle area. Uh, We got to go whale watching. Uh, We got to visit um, two beautiful cathedrals. Um, and then on the way home, we got to travel uh, by, by sea, by air, and by land. So from Bremerton, Washington, we took a ferry to Seattle. We drove our rental car to drop that off. We took an Uber to the airport. Uh, we flew to Denver, where we got on a train to baggage claim, where we got on a bus to Pikes Peak parking, where we got on a car to drive home. And I said to our, to our two lovely daughters, I don't think there is a mode of transportation we have not taken today. Um, so it was a lot of fun. So thank you for your thoughts and prayers as we enjoyed uh, vacation time together. Uh, Proverbs is part of a biblical genre called wisdom literature. Uh, Its purpose is, of course, to share with us good and godly wisdom for our lives. Uh, The Proverbs should not be read as promises, uh, but rather they should be read as the wisdom of God uh, to us about how life generally works. Um, And so it is seeking to not just share information, but rather it is seeking to share truth uh, and to share wisdom. Uh, You know, the reality is we need wisdom. Uh, The world in which we live is extremely complex. Uh, Often things are not black and white, uh, but are all kinds of different shades of gray. And so we need wisdom in order to navigate life's complexities. Uh, Particularly the events of this week uh, shown a light on this. uh, And it was a perfect demonstration of how deeply we need as a people the wisdom of God and how to respond, and how to uh, react. Um, because if we, if we don't have wisdom, then we tend to um, just react emotionally to life's events. But if we have the wisdom of God, uh, then we can be uh, much more thoughtful um, in our responses. In fact, I saw something come across my Instagram feed. 
uh, before the events of this week that I wanted to share with you. Uh, and so I want to share a picture. It's also in your notes insert, but I think this is so uh, timely and good. Do we have that picture available? There it is. We are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. We are drowning in information while we starve for wisdom. In fact, information has become so accessible to us, uh, but all the information in the world uh, won't make us wise. Uh, To illustrate that, I want to tell a story. Uh, We were utilizing all of the big city things this week on vacation, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft. We felt so um, smartphone savvy. Um, and so we, uh, at one point we took a, a lift uh, to point A to point B or whatever, uh, and a lot of our drivers didn't talk, would hardly make eye contact. Some of them you could hardly uh, keep them quiet. Uh, this one was you could hardly keep them quiet. We were driving by the aquarium, and he's like, hey, have you been to the aquarium? And we thought, no, you know, we haven't been to the aquarium. It's like $90 to get your family in, and so we chose not to do that. Um, and so he said, oh, but he, just, he like loves um, aquar- aquaria. So... Is that how you say that? I'm pretty sure I'm, I might have just made up a word. Pretty awesome. Okay. So he was telling us uh, about the red octopus. And he said, you know, uh, there was a red octopus that escaped from, uh, from the aquarium and is now living in the ocean. We thought, wow, that's crazy. And he started telling us all about the red octopus. He said the only cartilage in his entire body is right between his eyes. And so he can literally squeeze himself uh, through a, the, a hole the size of a keyhole. And we were like, whoa, this lift is so worth the money, you know? Like, wow. And so we were talking about that around the family because not everybody was in the car during that ride. And so uh, all of the family there was talking about that. And this very important question came up. Well, actually, how big is a red octopus? Um, And so we Googled it because we just have such easy access to information that we literally on vacation Googled, how big is a red octopus? And we found out this is a medium-sized thing. Uh, But I I say all that to say that we have immediate access to information, and I just think it's a really fun story. And so information is knowing how big is a red octopus. Wisdom is knowing how to keep him in the aquarium. So that's a little bit of the difference. That was a long lead up to not that big of a payoff. Um, But that's okay. Uh, Proverbs, in other words, is not about the dissemination of information. It's about the sharing of wisdom. And I'm I'm not sure if this is exactly true or not, but this is my sense. My sense is, is that information can be disseminated. It can be distributed on a very large scale. But wisdom must be learned and it must be shared from person to person. In other words, wisdom requires human contact, uh, where information can come to us through smartphones or programs or technology. And we need wisdom in order to navigate the complexities of our life and this world. Uh, But let's turn our attention more specifically to Proverbs chapter 9. In this proverb, two houses are compared to one another. They share one similarity and then a whole score of differences. Uh, But it it opens by saying, wisdom has built her house. Uh, And then a few verses later, it talks about the house of folly. And, and the writer of the Proverbs is very intentionally setting up a comparison between these, 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 two, these two, two houses, the house of wisdom and the house of folly. But I want, you to, I want to point out, before we look at all the differences of these homes and these houses, I want to point out one similarity that is absolutely glaring in the passage. 
The similarity is that Lady Wisdom in Wisdom's house and Lady Folly in Folly's house are calling out and inviting people to their home. In fact, the phrase that they use uh, to call out and invite people into their home is exactly the same. I mean, it is, it is exactly the same. The call to the general public to come into their home is exactly the same. And so it, it is, the invitation is this, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says. That's the invitation. And the same invitation comes from both Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. But this is actually where the differences begin. Uh, Because the the similarity is the invitation is exactly the same. But what they are being invited to is where the differences begin. Let's look at the House of Wisdom. In the House of Wisdom, meat and food have been prepared. The wine is ready and the table is set. And in the house of wisdom, the, inv- the invitation to those who have no sense, to those who have no judgment. In other words, it's to those who are, who are wandering, who are, who are without direction. The invitation is this, to begin to walk in the way of insight. And then they tell all these illustrations of what it means to walk in the way of insight. Among them are to, to fear or to respect the Lord. For the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That if we're going to seek out and if we're going to pursue wisdom in our life, if we're going to navigate life's complexities, the very first part of that is we have to learn to revere, to respect, to honor, and to fear God. And you you might say, well, well, why does he say that? Uh, Particularly if you're here and you're not from a faith background, uh, and, and maybe you're just here and you're doubting faith or you're unsure about faith in Jesus Christ and this whole Christianity thing, you might say, well, that's a bit, that's a bit of a bloated statement, a bit conceited. But, but what the writer of Proverbs is saying is that wisdom has to have a source somewhere. And this acknowledgement that wisdom begins with fear, respect, and revere for God is an acknowledgement that wisdom has as its source God. God is the source of all wisdom. What is true, what is wise, has to begin somewhere. And the writer wants to say to us that it begins with God. And so this invitation to walk in the way of insight is also an invitation to begin to live a life in fear of the Lord, of respect and revere and honor for the Lord. And then it goes on to say that you will, in fact, be rewarded for your wisdom. And that doesn't mean that you'll drive a pretty red car. It's a different kind of reward, right? In fact, we've talked about, and in fact, the early chapters of Proverbs talks about how the, the, the reward of wisdom is, in fact, wisdom itself. And so you, when you walk in the ways of wisdom, you will in fact be rewarded by the wisdom that you receive from God. And because of wisdom, the writer says, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. But this is held in steep contrast to the house of folly. The, in the house of folly, there is no food prepared. There is no wine that has been readied. And the table is not set. In fact, in the house of folly, there is still an invitation, but it is ultimately an invitation to live in the shadows, where the invitation of wisdom is to come out and to begin to walk in insight. You might also be able to say to walk in light, 
But the invitation of folly is to walk in the shadows. And it's illustrated by this. When the lady folly calls out to those who have no sense, she says this. She says, water that is stolen tastes sweet. And food that is eaten in secret is delicious. You see, the the invitation of folly is ultimately an invitation to live your life in the shadows with a lack of integrity. And where ultimately the invitation of wisdom is to come out into the light, live with insight that begins with a fear for the Lord, a respect for God, and in fact, it will be your reward itself. Look at the guest list of Folly's house as well. Because the reality is, is that life in the shadow has a certain appeal to it, does it not? You, you look at um, the, the wisdom and it's not, there's not a lot of appeal to the senses, but you look at folly and all of a sudden you say the, the water that is stolen tastes sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. There's this, there's this sort of appeal to life in the shadows. And so it's a bit of a surprise for the reader when we get to the, to the guest list of those who are in the house of folly. And it says this, they are deep in the realm of, of the dead. They are deep in the realm of the dead. And so on one hand, you have the house of wisdom and, and an invitation to insight that ultimately leads to uh, reward for your wisdom because the reward of wisdom is wisdom itself. And then on the other hand, you have the house of folly, an invitation to life in the shadows, a life uh, lived with a lack of integrity, uh, but it has a certain appeal to it. But ultimately, what ends up happening is you end up in the realm of the dead. And and to me, this begs a question, and I don't know if, if, as Mark was reading it, this question came to your mind or not, but it certainly came to mind as I was studying this week. And, And the question is this, were they dead when they got there? Or did they die because that's where they went? Because the guest list of those who are in the house of the folly, they are deep in the realm of the dead. Well, were they dead when they got there? Or did they die because that's where they went? That's a good question. In fact, I would say to you, that question is precisely the point. It is precisely the point. You see... I want, I want us to understand from this, and there's so much more that could be said from this passage. But what I want us to understand is this. Wisdom and folly aren't just destinations. They are also the journey itself. Wisdom and folly are not just destinations, but they are in fact the journey itself. And I wonder how many times we are so tempted to think about wisdom as folly, as sort of places that we arrive. And on one hand, we might be so, uh, we might be so self-confident as to say, you know, I have arrived at a place of wisdom. If you need any advice, I am your guy. I am your gal. You just come to me, and I'd be happy to pour my wisdom on you. Or on one hand, if we lack that sort of self-confidence, we might say, you know what, I have nothing to offer. 
I am simply a fool trying to blunder my way through this life. And we put ourselves in this camp or that camp as a destination by which we have arrived. And what the, how, the whole point of, of the home comparison between wisdom and folly is that these are not just destinations, but they are the journey themselves. Here's the implication. If you want to end up at the feast of wisdom, you must walk by the way of wisdom to get there. That, that wisdom is not just a destination from where at one point you, you weren't there and then all of a sudden you are there, but rather wisdom is this road that you are walking on. We were driving to a lake on vacation to have a picnic and we were driving right by the lake. So the whole time that we were driving to the lake, we were looking at the lake that we were going to. So on the way to the picnic, could we say that we were at the lake? Yes. Could we also say that we were there yet? No. Wisdom is just like that. Folly is just like that. The opposite is also true. Folly is a, is a journey just as much as it is a destination. And so the, again, the implication is if you want to end up at the feast of wisdom, you must walk the way of wisdom in order to get there. But the opposite is also true. You can't walk the way of folly and end up at the feast of wisdom, which is what so many of us want. Is it not? I wonder how many of us want to enjoy the spoils of the feast that is offered in the house of wisdom, but we are, trying, we are walking in the way of folly to get there. Uh, trust me, the road of folly will only lead to folly's house. And the road to wisdom, can only, the, the, the house of wisdom can only be, you can only be, get there by, way, by the road of wisdom. Now, this has never been more evident than this week. I want to say some things that aren't safe, but I feel need to be said. Because this whole idea that we will never get to our desired destination unless we begin to walk in a way that gets us there is never more true than after the events of this week. If I offend anyone, I apologize. It is only my heart to give perspective and wisdom in light of what has gone on. What I hear is that we call for peace but the only way to peace is to stop trusting guns to keep us safe. We call for love, but the only way to love is to heal the violence in our hearts toward others. You can't put trust in guns for safety and expect peace. You can't perfect the practice of drawing lines and declaring us and them and then expect love. And I can tell you that we have absolutely perfected 
the practice of drawing lines, of we are in this camp, therefore it is us and there is them, and we will never get to love for as long as we're doing that. And so church, we cannot just simply declare we need to be a peaceful people. We need to live in peaceful ways. And it starts in our own hearts. It starts by saying, God, is there something in my heart that has drawn a line between that person and me? And if there is, based on their level of education or the color of their skin or their orientation or anything else, trust me, we will never get there. And I know those words aren't safe, but I believe in my heart that they're true. And the only thing that I am obligated to is to speak words of truth. We have a culture of hate that is calling for love. And we will never get there unless something changes in our hearts. Oh God, would you have mercy on us? When will we learn that we cannot come to safety through the threat of violence? And we cannot come to love by drawing lines. Jesus died on the cross to heal these ways of thinking and to overcome these systems of sin. So may we live in his grace today. The church of all people should be the first to cry out for God's kind of justice. And God's kind of justice is not violence upon violence upon violence. The good news of the gospel is not that in the end, God has the biggest gun. The good news of the gospel is that in the end, all things are made brand new. That what is broken is is restored. We will never get to peace by way of violence. And the sooner the church understands that, the more powerful of a voice we will become. St. Augustine Augustine, i got to say it like the theologians say it. St. Augustine said it this way. Thus, though wisdom was himself our home, he made himself also the way by which we should reach our home. Thus, though wisdom was himself our home, he made himself also the way by which we should reach our home. And so my message to you is very simple today. Wisdom is not a destination, it is a way of life. If wisdom were a destination at which, you, at which you simply arrived, then wisdom would be no different than intelligence because intelligence is all about information. Information is either known or unknown. You either got it down or, you're not, or you don't. You either got it right on the test or you didn't. And wisdom is not like this. Wisdom is about navigation. It is not about information. And in your pursuit of wisdom, in our pursuit of wisdom, we should not think about it in terms of arrival, that I have come to a place where I can now be called wise. But rather, we should think about it in terms of journeying, where we walk in greater and greater degrees of wisdom. And as you seek wisdom, what you will find is that there is more and more and more wisdom to discover. And so we should not think of it in terms of destination or arrival, but rather in terms of journey. One of the things that I think Rick so beautifully pointed out last week is that in order to pursue wisdom, 
We must pursue the source of wisdom, who is Christ himself. Who is Christ himself. Which is why we cry out, God, have mercy. Give us your grace. Give us your presence. And may we also add to that, God, would you give us your wisdom? Would you give us your wisdom? And so I want to encourage us to go out into the world to pursue Christ, pursue his kingdom, pursue his wisdom. And then may we together and may you personally experience the blessing and the goodness of life lived on the road to wisdom. And with that in mind, I want to turn our attention fully to the events of this week and talk about the disturbing news of violence in our country. Two black men, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, were shot and killed by the police without cause. The unrest of these events sparked protests around the country. These protests were peaceful until, in Dallas, a sniper opened fire on the police, killing five white officers. In light of these events, we must recognize two things. Now, there are certainly more, uh, but two things that I want to point out this morning. One that I've already touched on, but I want to reiterate. The first thing we must realize is there is no such thing as them. There is only us. There is no such thing as them. There is only us. We so easily separate ourselves based on color of skin, income, level of education, etc., etc., etc. Believing the lie of us and them causes grotesque self-righteousness and blinds us to our own privilege. I want to say that again. Believing the lie of us and them causes grotesque self-righteousness and blinds us to our own privilege. I also need to say that these comments, these perspectives... come from a middle-class white guy who lives in a predominantly white city. And so I understand that my own thoughts are probably skewed on all of these things. But as God works in my own heart, I feel like I need to share it with you, and that is God is working on my own heart that there is no such thing as us and them, there is only us. There is only us. And Lord, would you forgive me for the times when I have made assumptions or profiled people based on any number of things that would separate them from myself. For the times when I have lived with self-righteousness and I have been blinded to my own privilege. I would say that in response, we must bear witness to these events. That is, we must allow these events to get to us. Um, if, if these events did not get to you, 
um, then I would say that you are probably living in an us and them worldview. We must grieve, we must mourn, we must pray, we must listen to the voices of the oppressed, for Scripture calls us to mourn with those who mourn, which means that the past few days have been days of lament because we have all been mourning the injustices. And the reality that there is no us and them, there is only us, broken humanity in need of a Savior, what this means is that we can find solidarity with our brothers and sisters with black skin and our brothers and sisters who put on a blue uniform every day. There, in moments like this, the systemic sin of hate comes to the forefront. Because you are assumed that if you find any solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, then you hate cops. And that simply is not the case. Or might I say, it does not have to be the case. And I would say that as the people of God, we need to find solidarity with all who are grieving. And there are certainly plenty who are. So the first thing we must realize, there is no such thing as us and them. There's only us. The second thing is, there is no such thing as redemptive violence. There is no such thing as redemptive violence. In response to violence, more violence was perpetrated against the men and women on the police force in Dallas. This is not justice. Justice, God's justice, does not look like the violent justice that so easily lives in our hearts. Can you hear me, church? God's justice does not look like the violent justice that so easily lives in our hearts. God's justice looks like loving our enemies, living peacefully, and forgiving those who have wronged us. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. The most powerful force in the world is not a bullet, and it is not a bomb. It is love. And as the church, we must stop believing the myth of redemptive violence. Jesus took on violence upon himself on the cross in order to defeat systems of sin. So as his people, we must learn to let go of the idea of safety through the threat of violence. For this mindset only breeds violence and violence begets violence every single time. Violence begets violence, begets violence, begets violence. And the reason that Jesus Christ went to the cross as a lamb is led to the slaughter without a fight, and the reason that he healed the man's ear after Peter cut it off is he wanted to say something without saying anything. And what he said is, I am taking violence upon myself to end the systems of violence in our world. Jesus was refounding the world, this time not on violence, but on love. This time based not on hate, but on forgiveness. Jesus Christ on the cross and what we call our attention to every single Sunday is the truth that there is no such thing as redemptive violence. Violence does not redeem, it only brings more violence. War only brings more war. And I am sorry if this rubs you the wrong way. But as I've already said, I feel, no, I feel compelled to say and to declare what I believe to be the truth. The only way to peace is to act peacefully. And the only way to love is to act in loving ways.
There's an old song. By old, I mean like eight or ten years old. (laughs) Sorry, that was terrible. It's by a singer-songwriter, Derek Webb. And the name of the song is, My Enemies Are Men Like Me. My Enemies Are Men Like Me. If you want a more current song, there's a song called Brother by The Brilliance. And it is a brilliant song. The brother lyrics are, When I look at the face of my enemy, I see my brother. The lyrics to Derek Webb's My Enemies Are Men Like Me is this, peace by way of war is like purity by way of fornication. It's like telling someone murder is wrong and then showing them by way of execution. Folks, what we realize today or this week in dramatic fashion is that there is deep-rooted systemic sin in our world. And as a church, it ought to draw us to repentance and confession. And so that is exactly what we're going to do together for the remainder of our service. We will pray a prayer of confession. We'll have a brief time of silence to examine our hearts, to repent, to allow God to form our hearts and to speak to us about what we should do in response. I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to come up here and give you political viewpoints, tell you how to vote, or tell you how to respond. For I don't know that I have the wisdom to do that, but I do know that the Holy Spirit does. So we're going to allow some time for God to speak to you and to form our hearts. And then we're going to sing a song of lament, and then we'll gather around the Lord's table. Let's uh, pray a prayer, this prayer of confession together. Nope, that's the wrong one. There we go. Let's pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen.